Hello everyone and welcome to the latest in our series of Scottish Opera Podcast, podcast number four. And today I'm joined by Jane Davidson, who is the Director of Education and Outreach at Scottish Opera. Hello Jane. Hello there. Um, well, the first question that I'd like to ask is just for you to explain your role, because it sounds very interesting. Um, right. Uh, yes, it is. I think I've got one of the most interesting jobs in the world, actually. <laughs> Um, and I think the one of the things that's the, the best about it really is the breadth and the depth of um, what happens on a day-to-day basis. Right. And um, um, certainly from our point of view, we have um, about, on average, 14 to 17 different programmes a year wow. running. And we've got a team of five of us. And uh, we have about 70 or 80 freelance artists, uh, actors, singers, musicians... Uh, filmmakers, uh, costume set design, um, people who come in and help us deliver the range of projects that we do. I would say that overall our remit really is to to service the community and the Mm -hmm. community is the whole of Scotland. Yes, yes. Um, And so we look at work in schools, we look at work uh, in early years. Um, A lot of the education work that we do... um, helps to support the, um, the, the, the sort of the, the basic requirements of the Scottish schools curriculum and right. curriculum for excellence so which is an absolute gift to us because um, we're lucky enough to have creativity at the heart of the curriculum and the idea of using music and the performing arts mm-hmm. to help support what we call integrated learning, so uh, which is, uh, to me, that's just a posh way of saying helping kids to make connections yes, yeah. between things. Um, so, for example, we have a, a primary schools programme which has is the oldest education, opera education programme in the world. Wow. Uh, it's been running since 1971. Wow. And um, basically we uh, commission work mm-hmm. um, for 8 to 11 year olds so it's a 30 minute sung through uh, opera or piece of music theatre can be about any subject um, but it involves three groups of children usually class sized and three performer animateurs and they go in uh, just for a day to each school um, the children have learned the songs in advance but they go in with a, a, a truckload of fabulous costumes oh, and the children put the opera on in a day and over the years I've commissioned I think I've commissioned 26 pieces for this age group and again it can be about anything it can be science history technology uh, environmental issues uh, geography world issues um, so um, and there's a whole series of support materials that mm-hmm. run alongside it so in effect while the children are learning uh, to sing the songs and to perform the piece they're also learning um, the, the sort of the subject matter of the of the piece and uh, it gives um, classroom teachers um, a really wide range of things that they can do mm-hmm. to to broaden the whole topic out and um, fundamentally I think what we're trying to help create here or what we're, what we're trying to help develop is um, the child's sense of curiosity ask right. questions yeah, explore yeah. develop make connections um, and that sits alongside all the other things which are really important things for us all in life which is teamwork it's confidence building you often find that children who get the most out of um, a project like ours mm-hmm. um, aren't necessarily uh, going to set the world alight 
in terms of academics, mm-hmm. although language and literacy and numeracy are kind of underpin yeah, everything well. that we do, and yeah. these are things that every child needs to learn how to do. So that's a really successful programme. I mean, we see about somewhere between 130 and 140 schools a year with that. That's 100 children a time, so that's a lot of children. Yeah, I was going to ask, because when you say it's class-sized, I don't really have an idea what a class-size is these days. Well, you see, in some schools, a class-size could be 20, and in others, it can be 30. um, And obviously, their parents and their their families and other children come and see the performance at the end of the day. So you are reaching out to a lot, you know, many thousands of people. Um, And I think one of the nicest accolades about these kind of things... um, or when people say, you know, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily go and see Scottish Opera on the main stage, you know, in in the Theatre Royal or at the Festival Theatre in Edinburgh, but um, they came to my school and my 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 child had an amazing time and was yeah. singing the songs and talking about, it. so they feel connected in a way. And as a, a publicly funded company, you know, it's important to us that people who who you know. Believe that it's a great thing that we have a company that can do this kind of work in Scotland. See, I think this is a really interesting strand because it's something I think I might be wrong about this, but many people who go to Scottish Opera as opera lovers and as you say go to mm-hmm. theatre well, maybe don't even realise that this is going on. Yeah. And actually, it's incredibly important for all the reasons that you uh, suggest, not just to kind of get youngsters into opera. But actually, just to get um, the whole idea of performing and the arts increasingly difficult, I find into yeah. schools. Uh, and and you're saying it is Scotland as your community, so you're taking it all around the country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think um, it's about what our expectations are of um, our, of citizens. You know what, what yeah. you and I and you know the guy in the street or whatever you want to call it. But the you know. People are entitled to have access to high quality arts, of course. and uh, and that's an interesting word, you know, the entitlement. And uh, because of the the sort of geographical and the logistical um, specialisms of Scotland, you know, we have got we've got a lot of people in the central belt, and then we've got everyone else is spread out yeah. over a much more, and those people have to have access mm-hmm. too, and. If you're only having a visit from, for example, our small scale opera highlights company, and that comes once a year maybe, um, you want to know that it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If that's your night out at the opera, then you want it. And people in remote areas, you know, they're obviously so much more used to travelling. Yeah. Um, So sometimes it's really nice when it comes to them. So you know, for it to be in their local primary school is is a great thing. They can just trot down the road and see it and. Um, so a lot of the work that we do is about getting out and being in the community and popping up. And you know, we have a we have another um, project we developed a number of years ago, um, which we call the Pop Up Opera Trailer. Yeah, yeah. And what we have is a forty foot container truck that we've built to look like the inside of the Theatre Royal. So our wonderful <laughs> graphic artists, uh, scenic artists, sorry, and our workshops have basically um, created, kitted it out. So we've even got the same carpet as the Theatre <laughs> Royal. We even have a tiny chandelier. And we've got a stage at the end of the trailer where obviously the wheel arches are. So you've got like a little natural stage. And um, it was an idea I actually pinched from, um, there's a wonderful um Japanese art form called Kamishibai. Right. 
which means paper story. And it, um, it's, a, it's hundreds of years old in Japan, but basically it's a storyteller and a set of illustrations. And um, it was particularly big at the end of the um, 19th, beginning of the 20th century, where itinerant storytellers on a bike would go between villages and tell stories and they would have these beautiful little illustrations in a kind of little box. Mm-hmm. And as they told the story, they pulled each picture out and it could be a folk tale or... And um, I was lucky enough to see that, actually, and I thought, wow, we could do that with music. And Mm -hmm. so we developed a a, a format where we take an opera, and we've got a wonderful... Our our head of music, Derek Clark, will arrange an entire piece for um, a 20-minute version or 25-minute version with a cello and a harp or a cello and a guitar. So we have a storyteller, two singers, cello and a harp, costumes and these wonderful illustrations and we put it all in the trailer and we drive the trailer around and we'll go we'll pop up at um, book festivals food festivals festivals that communities have already yes. developed and because the truck you know we have our own theatre basically in the back of the truck and again in some quite remote places you know venues are a, a difficult yes. thing so although it's tiny we can do three, two or three performances a day so you can get the best part of you know 80 90 people in each time and that's been a fantastic success and we've tried out various things like we've done it on a boat which has gone up and down the Clyde (laughs) Um, we've done it at the top of the you know the gigantic crane uh, along it we've done it there we've done it in Scottish Parliament uh, we've done it in uh, Inverness Prison, we've done it in hospitals, care homes. Um, it's so sort of light on its feet. And I think the beautiful thing is it's it's really, um, f- it's great fun. It's 20, 25 minutes, as I say, of your time. Yeah. You get the entire story. Um, sometimes, and a lot of the time, actually, people will come and say, oh, I've really enjoyed that. I might, I think I might come along and see the whole thing because we usually have one show that runs. Yeah. We've got a main scale version of it running as well. So if you, when you've seen the tiny version, you can go and see the the full length if you I feel was like that. I say, I mean, about people's reactions to it because, um, you know, some people have strong ideas, not just about opera, but musical theatre as uh-huh. well. And they think, oh yeah, that's not really for me. And then, you know, do you get people come up and go, I'm not sure whether I was going to like this, but actually... Yes, <laughs> yes, we do. Um, I mean, we for the pop up, we always, we nearly always have a Gilbert and Sullivan, yeah. and um, it's just hilarious because people, some people come in and they know, they know yes. all the characters and they can sing along with us, mm-hmm. um, and it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, the, the the singers and the instrumentalists that we send out and the storyteller, they're amazing artists because opera's not an art form that tends to be really close up and personal. Yeah. You're not normally that close to your audience. And um, even to hear the trained voice, mm-hmm. you know, like a baritone voice, the whole the whole <laughs> truck <laughs> reverberates. And uh, people, you know, you often sort of see people thinking, "My goodness, I can actually feel yeah, that reverberate in my chest." Reaction. It's a physical reaction. Yeah. And um, but it's quite fun as well for them. And and uh, again, they often bring kids, and people are clambering around all over the place. And I just love the fact that it's we're sitting there right in the middle of the community, and um, you know, almost going back hundreds of cent, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years where artists, performers were a part of the community. Yeah, and you had the travelling performers as well, absolutely. And you, you, we've talked about, you know, how, where you reach out to, but also who you reach out to, because it's kind of across the ages, isn't it? Mm. I and mean, you get toddlers staying yes. right and right through. <laughs> well, we've actually just opened um, a new piece at the Edinburgh Fringe mm. called Fox Tot. 
um, which is um, by uh, composer Liam Patterson, who wrote Bambino, which was our opera for babies, yeah. which came out a couple of years ago. So obviously uh, this is the next stage group up, so we're looking at the 12 to 24-month-old, um, and these are um, small people who are independently <laughs> ambulatory, as we call them, so they can move around themselves. They don't need, they don't need mum or dad to help them. Um, and uh, the response is, I mean, you know, sometimes adults come and see it. We had two lovely ladies came last week who are probably grandmas, yeah. I think. Um, but they said, gosh, it's like two shows in one because <laughs> we get to see the opera and we get to see the, ba- the the little ones responding to the opera. And it's that in itself is just absolutely hilarious and, and so engaging the way they respond to the singers. What is the kind of response... Uh- of the children that is well uh, when we first did Bambino which has now been all over the world I mean we performed at the Metropolitan Opera House with Bambino (laughs) Um, we thought oh my goodness will will it be too loud Mm. will the volume will the pitch will it and it was remarkable how little that seemed to impact negatively on them. Very occasionally you'll get a, a wee one that gets a bit of a fright, but once they realise that the world is theirs and they can step into it, um, for, for Foxtop we have a countertenor and a mezzo-soprano, and countertenor is quite an unusual voice type and not a lot of people, and you do see adults being quite sort of surprised mm-hmm. at the at the I mean it's a beautiful voice but it's it's quite an unusual sound compared to a soprano for example um and but the wee ones just get in there and clamber about I mean there's there's it's very interactive there's a, 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 you know a forest of f- leaves on the floor which can all be picked up they're not real um but they look real um and they love to get in and burrow and um, they love the puppets we've got three or four puppets in it um, they're fascinated by the musical instruments. Mm. They're slightly protected. Yeah. Um, and we do have minders <laughs> who rush in and pick them up. Um, but, for example, the cello, I mean, to watch a 17-, 18-month-old little one standing right in front of the cello, absolutely fascinated by the sound. And even the movements of, mm. the, of the musician who's playing it, they're drinking it in, they're watching every single aspect of it and it's a really special thing and I think the performers I mean I've I've kind of said to them you'll never have an audience like this again in your life I don't care where you end up performing Um, you'll never have that incredible moment where you actually realise that you're looking at someone who's experiencing this for the very very first Mm. time so they're hearing a sound or they're seeing something and of course it's in their faces and it's it's a fantastic thing to see it really is it's and what a tonic oh my goodness you come out you feel fabulous and have performers said how they feel about yeah it's they they're great i mean they really are great because for example laura our cellist at one point she's playing a miniature chord keyboard with one hand mm-hmm. she's got her bow on the cello with the other and she's singing and uh, talk about multitasking and also she's smiling down at a, 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 you know, a two year old who's staring in front of her about six inches away um, For I think most people do really recognise what a privilege in a strange mm-hmm. way it is because you are really having an impact on, on someone's first experience and I should stress we deliberately made them. They are tiny little operas. They're not. They're not, and not. This is not 
obviously to denigrate there's some wonderful children's theatre yeah, yeah, theatre work happening in Scotland and we're really very very lucky because we have some wonderful companies making you know such an innovative and creative work but we've deliberately designed this it is a miniaturised opera I mean for um, musically um, Foxtrot has got strains of kind of French Baroque um, but you know people only you know children will only think that's difficult if somebody says to them yeah. oh it's really difficult yeah, yeah, music and if I mean they don't un, that's not a concept no. that you understand it's, it is what it is um, and with Bambino it was the same we used sort of Italian early Italian music um, and uh, I think that's probably the key to it you, you know you create it and you make it with the same love and care and attention to detail, to the quality of everything, from the singers to the to the materials you're using, um, and people recognise that quality and they appreciate it, and I think they do appreciate that something for really small children is is made with the same kind of aspirations. Mm-hmm. Um, we want them to remember it. We want them to, um, in a way, feel like you know this is my right as a citizen. You know this is my entitlement, for, and sh- you know it should be as yeah. good as it possibly can be. I'm just thinking of because people say that's roughly about the age of people have their first memories, and if your first memory of something like that, it mm-hmm. would be. It might confuse you a little bit yeah. <laughs> because it's not of your parents. It's <laughs> yes, yes, I know. <laughs> and music, to have music is that kind of really um, early memory as well. So interesting. Um, so when you started the role, um, did you have a kind of idea of a strategy that you wanted to follow? And, and have you been kind of able to fulfil that? Um, well, um, I hate to say, I, I, this is my 35th year with the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't really done much else. Um, I think one of the joys for um, for me over the years has been seeing how things change and develop yeah, yeah, so, and yeah. responding in different ways. And um, I mean, 30 years ago, um, education work, certainly for an opera company, was seen very much as an add-on. Mm. Um and certainly even in relation to schools and education, it was very much a kind of, this is a nice time for the children. It's, uh, you know, it's fun for them to sing and dance and leap around for yeah. an hour, but it's not, it's not real work. It's uh-huh. not, it doesn't have an impact on any other part of their like life. you do it at the end of the term and yes. it's a nice send to the whole. Exactly. Yeah. And now, of course, as I say, we're in the wonderful position. And I do feel that, that, that um, the UK... Uh, in general, and I would like to say Scotland in particular has developed a really good reputation for our work in this field, and it, and we get a lot of notice and a lot of interest from other countries um, in the way that we do use the performing arts to support this idea of a very integrated, balanced person who, you know, who understands the importance of the arts um, and all of the things that that unlocks. Um, uh, even language development, you yeah. know, I mean, opera is an art form that regularly lo- uses, um, we, we sing in Italian and French and German uh, in Czech, you know, there's lots and lots of languages, and so for us, that's an absolute integral part of our of our art form. Now, this is something that obviously the Scottish government have, have addressed the the lack of languages, the yeah. the, the, uh, the facility with languages, and they have a one. We know we've got a great program, the One Plus Two program, where we're talking about um, in schools now, children get introduced to their second language much much earlier, right, right. and it is having a, an impact. It's a slow thing, but mm-hmm. it's having an impact. But where we can help is by using 
the integral parts of our art form that actually lend themselves to that sort of thing and provide support in a way that you know, 20 years ago that just wouldn't have been considered. And I, I didn't strike me till now, but by making the opera, the music or the theatre opera, it could be the first time that a lot of these people encounter another language, yes. encounter Italian or encounter Spanish or whatever yeah. it is. And, uh, and suddenly perhaps that's not such a academic undertaking as actually an artistic an undertaking. An artistic undertaking, that's it, exactly. Uh, I mean, the same sort of thing kind of occurred to us when we, we started to develop the work for people with living de- with dementia as well. Um, and, you know, I think it was two years ago we did the very first um, opera uh, adapted for people living with dementia, the first in the world. And we, I mean, honestly, we, had, we were inundated from around the world, people saying, tell us more about this, mm. what is this? And... About 12 years ago, we started to run a programme called Memory Spinners, where we meet once a week for eight or nine weeks and we have lunch. And then we make, um, we do creative workshops around a theme of an opera that happens to be in our repertoire. So we will learn choruses from the opera, we'll do choreography, we'll make props and and the group, we've got singers and a director and musicians. Everyone comes in and at the end of this eight or nine week period, we do our creative interpretation of Diffley de Mouse or La Boheme mm. or whatever it might be. So we began to develop several different groups. Um, but then we realised, and we also used to invite them to a thing called an unwrap, which right. is a sort of 60 minute long um a presentation on the stage of the main theatre and you've got the orchestra there and you have a presenter who's explaining maybe some of the more kind of um, behind the scenes aspects of a particular production and we used to invite the people um, from our memory spinners group along to that Mm -hmm. then we realised that actually we could go a step further and we could actually stage the work uh, chronologically, but we could so that uh, uh, but we could have a presenter who would come on and actually would stop the action and would focus on this person and they'd give a little bit of a kind of exposition. Mm-hmm. Here's what's going to happen next. Look out for this. The guy with the red hat on. He's the baddie. You know all of this kind of stuff. And um, people really in, uh, uh, responded so well to it. And uh, we try and involve it so that we have drinks. You know we'll go for drinks mm-hmm. afterwards and to to make it especially for people who. You, we're regularly used to going to the yeah. theatre, any kind of theatre, you know, concerts or anything, to normalise it again and say this is a, this is a, a you know a very welcoming space. Um, come and enjoy it. You know, it's a, it's much shorter, mm-hmm. um, but the social interaction is every bit as important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a tremendously joyful experience, and we have so much support from other people within our organisation, mm-hmm. our help from our colleagues in wardrobe, and people want to come along and be part of it. Um, so you'll quite you know, and the musicians absolutely love doing it as well. And it's I think it's because and sadly it's something that touches so many people's yeah. lives. Yeah. So there's nearly always somebody who knows somebody and to see the pleasure that it gives people. But also it breaks down, it does genuinely break down a lot of misconceptions. Because yes. um, I used to frequently hear people saying, well, I mean, how can you rehearse? Because won't they just forget from week to week? And you go, no, it's not. And also they think people who've got, who, who are living with dementia don't have the capacity to learn more things. Yes. And of course they do. Yes. And what you're actually doing is you're focusing on all the things they can do. You're not focusing on things they can't yeah. do anymore. 
Which so, is often what stops people being social because they think, well, there's yeah. certain things I can't do yeah. anymore. And I do know that music um, often offers a great comfort to people who um, are suffering from dementia or similar um, uh, issues. Well, I think, I mean, it's, it's where it sits, we've actually got some really wonderful, again, some wonderful initiatives. I mean, if you look at the Playlist for Life, um, you know, Sally Magnuson's mm-hmm. um, charity, her, the, the idea that when you first have a diagnosis and you're able to um, uh, identify um, a series of, of different songs and, and uh, pieces of music that have huge meaning to your life, you know, whether it's something that you remember from when your child was born or when you got married or whatever it might be. And we know that um, it brings enormous comfort to people because they can listen to it with their loved one and they can remember again. Um, our version is somewhere that probably slots in, you know, in that we often use music that's, that people have suggested in the group, but we do always teach something new as yeah. well. And the way that people respond to that is, uh, you know, if you would, it would knock you down with a feather sometimes, yeah. it really would. So it really is uh, um, uh, education and outreach across the ages. Oh, yes. Right? From, yeah, from yeah. the very beginning, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So what, what are your plans for the future? What, Oh my goodness. Uh, well, um, I kind of, I, I think over the last few years we have been aware that, you know, we're, as I say, we're lucky enough to have, we've put the work in, mind mm, you, yeah. and we've put the, the sort of the intellectual effort into it as well in that we've really thought about things and um, been prepared to run pilot programmes and see what works and see what doesn't. Um, and I think one of the um things that we're being encouraged to do by the Scottish Government, who are our principal funders, um, is, you know, export excellence. You know, Scotland needs to be really proud of the things that we are good at. And when when there is a field in which we do excel, um, it's right that we should be able to kind of stretch out and say, here's something that we know how to do really well. Um, uh, uh, It's not necessarily so much about... um, a financial thing, although that's a really useful thing if you've yeah, got something that's worth selling. Um, but it is, it's as much as about that as it is about sharing best practice. And it's, as I say, we're lucky. We, we've done a lot of work um, um, and it's an important area for us to develop. So, we, you know, more and more we're working internationally mm-hmm. um, and the, what we're doing is being recognised internationally. And I I'm genuinely do feel that's a great thing for Scotland, um, that we are able to fly the flag in that way and to say here is something that, 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 that we are good at, that we want to share with you. Um, it's it's so interesting when you look at other education systems or other um, in other countries where, for example, you know, the activity and, and opportunity that are available for elderly people yes. it's important there is always something for us to learn too yeah, yeah sure but more and more I um, I think I've become less cynical in some ways as I've got older not more in that I'm aware of just how lucky we are in many ways here um, and there's a lot of, of really interesting and valuable work going on and it's great to be kind of a part of that um, and it is nice as I say to be able to kind of go internationally and say we're just a small country however We've got this going, yeah. Well, Dean, it's been fascinating to talk to you because it was an area of what Scottish Opera do that I didn't have an idea about and I want to tell other people about it, so (laughs) hopefully listening, uh, embrace that. But thank you very much for talking to us today. It's been a huge pleasure, thank you. And we'll be back soon with someone else from Scottish Opera. Thanks.